Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, July 8th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Donald Trump is hitting back at social media companies that banned him from their platforms earlier this year. The new COVID variant is spreading across the globe, but at an uneven impact, and South African police have arrested former President Jacob Zuma. Plus, private equity firms are gobbling up UK companies, but many Brits aren't sure they like it. Private equity used to buy largely just companies that most people hadn't heard of and that were kind of unloved and unglamorous. But when you start buying big name supermarkets, people really start to take notice. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Several social media companies booted Donald Trump from their platforms earlier this year for his role in the January attack on the U.S. Capitol. And yesterday, Trump said he would lead class action lawsuits against Facebook, Twitter, and Google, and their CEOs. His lawsuits allege unlawful censorship of Americans and accuse the company of violating the First Amendment. They also claim that Section 230 of the Common Decency Act is unconstitutional. This gives tech platforms immunity from being sued over user-generated content. The former president wants the court to restore his accounts and impose punitive damages. Twitter declined to comment. Facebook and Google also did not immediately respond to a request for comment. The new Delta variant of coronavirus is spreading rapidly across the globe, dampening many countries' hopes of putting the pandemic behind them. Spain has the highest infection rate in mainland Europe. Israel is experiencing rising rates. And in both cases, the Delta variant is behind the surge in infections. FT data journalist John Byrne Murdoch has been tracking the new strain. The latest data we have puts the current prevalence of Delta, so the the percentage of all cases in the country that are believed to be from the Delta variant, in Spain is around one third. Um, and, you know, that's that's much higher than zero, but it's actually lower than a lot of other countries, both in Europe and beyond. So the UK and uh, Russia, for some time now, we, we believe that pretty much all cases are now from Delta. But um, if you look across to somewhere like Indi- Indonesia, it's al- also very high in the high 90%, uh, high 90%, Portugal around 90%, Netherlands and Germany around 60%. John told me that the variant may be spreading uniformly across the world, but the impact, say on hospitalizations and death rates, varies depending on where you look and how many people are vaccinated in each location. In a country like the UK, you've got a very steep surge in cases that's been going on over the last few weeks or a couple of months now, but that is predominantly coming among young people. So younger adults make up a much larger percentage of the UK's cases now than they did in the past. And of course, vice versa, the older, more vulnerable um, people make up a a shrinking proportion. We're seeing similar things um, happening in Spain, for example, and the early signs of similar trends in the US. Whereas if you look at a country like South Africa, where far, far, far low percentage of people have been vaccinated than some of those other countries. So what we see there is something quite different and dramatically worse, which is that in South Africa, this wave looks just like the waves that have come before it. We see cases rise, we see hospital admissions rise, and we then see deaths rise. So really the story of what Delta is doing is very different depending on vaccine coverage, but the story of Delta itself in terms of its spread is, is uniform across the world. That's the FT senior data visualization journalist, John Byrne Murdoch. Murdoch. 
private equity firms have been snapping up British companies at a record pace. The wave of deals includes household names like the supermarket chain Morrison's, and all these buyouts have become unsettling for many Brits. To talk more about what the concerns are, I'm joined by our private capital correspondent, Kay Wiggins. Hey, Kay, welcome back. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me again. So, Kay, can you describe what the debate over private equity in the UK looks like right now? Like, you know, what's being said? Yeah, of course. Um, And it's really interesting because this, to many people, private equity is an industry that they like don't know very much about. It feels like quite a technical thing. It feels like something that's kind of, you know, maybe operating in the shadows slightly. One thing that's happened in the UK this year is actually it's become the subject of quite a lot of relatively mainstream public debate. And so part of that is coming from shareholders in the companies that are being targeted by private equity firms who are starting to speak out more publicly than they normally would, saying that private equity firms are trying to buy the companies that they're shareholders of you know, too cheaply and they're raising concerns about what that's going to mean for the future of those businesses and whether their assets are going to be sold and things like that. But also the Daily Mail, which is a very popular tabloid newspaper, started a campaign against what it calls ruthless and predatory dealmaking by private equity firms, which is you know, really remarkable development over here and really brings the issue into the mainstream in a way that it hasn't been for a long time. That, <laughs> that really says it all. Um, so, Kate, why are so many British companies being bought out right now? Yeah. So on the question of why now, I mean, when I was talking to KKR about this, they point out that the FTSE 100 is trading a lower multiple of earnings. So a lower multiple of the earnings of the underlying companies than similar indexes in most other countries. Um, We've also seen kind of some figures from JP Morgan a few months ago saying that on a price to earnings basis, the UK market is at its lowest point in the past two decades against other kind of leading economies. So on the one hand, kind of Brexit and the pandemic have made companies really cheap. And on the other hand, the UK's vaccine rollout has actually gone so well that private equity firms are starting to want to buy British companies so they can benefit from the recovery that will hopefully come as a result of that super fast vaccine rollout. So let's talk about the the type of companies here, you know, Morrison's, Asda, um, these are obviously big names that people know. Is that what has people upset or is it just the volume of these type of deals that that have people riled up? I think it's a combination, but I do think in particular, it's the, the, it's the names of these companies that really play a big role, right? You know, private equity used to buy largely just companies that most people hadn't heard of and that were kind of unloved and unglamorous and didn't tend to make the front pages. But when you start buying big name supermarkets that have been trading in the UK for you know a really long time that everybody knows and that people you know have been paying a lot more attention to during the pandemic when we all remember those worries about you know what would happen if the supermarkets ran out of certain products, certain groceries. You know, it's one of those industries that people are paying a lot more attention to. So is there any I don't know, pushback or efforts by lawmakers or regulators to limit or or, may, or maybe block private equity takeovers? You know, the truth is the UK is very much less protectionist than, say, France, for example, or, or lots of other countries. So we don't typically tend to see the government intervening to block deals by private equity firms over here. And in reality, there's really not really very much that they could do in a lot of cases if there are no like competition concerns if it's not an asset that's critical to the UK's like national security for example then the UK government has relatively limited powers to be able to intervene in these takeovers a lot of the time 
But certainly there are opposition MPs who are looking into that as an issue and who might argue that, that it should have more powers to do so. Kay Wiggins is the FT's private capital correspondent. Thanks, Kay. Thanks, Mark. South Africa's former president, Jacob Zuma, was arrested last night. He's accused of enriching himself and his associates by looting the country's state coffers. Last week, the country's highest court sentenced him to 15 months in jail for refusing to testify before a panel that's investigating corruption during his presidency. Now, he's been out of office since 2018, but it'll take years to repair the damage that Zuma did to the economy. That's according to South African lawyer and journalist Judith February. South Africa is said to have lost over those nine wasted years about $70 billion through corruption and state capture. Our unemployment rates skyrocketed to about 28%, and that is the narrow definition of employment. So there are very real consequences to Jacob Zuma's corruption. Judith February was this week's guest on the FT's Rockman Review podcast, which comes out every Thursday. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll have a link to this week's episode in the show notes. And before we go, Airbus and Boeing may see a big new competitor in the skies. China is expected to approve its first domestic passenger jet for commercial flights. A state-backed company called the Commercial Aircraft Corporation of China, or COMAC for short, plans to launch a single-aisle plane, the C919. The company says it has nearly a 1,000 orders and options for the plane, mainly from domestic customers. The first delivery is due at the end of the year. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. 